Hello, and welcome to Imprint Podcast, where we share sermons and conversations about faith, life, and culture. We believe it's the mark Jesus makes in us that allows us to positively mark our world. To find out more about life at Imprint, please head over to weareimprint.org for more information. We hope you are blessed by today's content. friends good evening family shout out to everyone online um like justin said um, thank you justin and thank you for the worship team and uh, my name is wale and thank you guys and yes welcome to our 5 p.m service we also have a 2 p.m service if you're interested in that as well and over the last few weeks we've been doing a series called church of the city and it's about how we can be an effective witness in in our city And I actually heard someone say in a creative conference I went to yesterday that the Spirit of God is not just to remain in the church walls, but the Spirit of God is meant to go out into our world. And that's basically um, the main theme of our series. And I wanted to start off with a question. Have you ever had a guest come to your house that's just way too comfortable? Anyone? For example, when they enter your house, immediately they take, off, they take off their shoes, they wear your sliders, they help themselves, I have people like this, they help themselves to your fridge, they, they basically help themselves to whatever's in your fridge, they take your food, they sit on your couch, and not only do they sit on your couch, they fully prostrate themselves, so you, there's not even space for you to join them on your own couch. You're watching a show, they take your remote and they switch off your show and put on something that they prefer. And they start munching your food and they miss their mouth dropping your food on your couch. And have you ever had a friend like that? Perhaps um, a guest like that? Perhaps a friend, a sibling, or maybe one of those annoying aunties and uncles? And the thing is, these people don't live in your house, but, they're just, but they are just way too comfortable in your house. This guest has infiltrated your personal space. And I like to think, on a more positive note, that Jesus is probably like this type of guest. In Luke chapter 19, it talks about how Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, but he makes a stop in Jericho. And it says these words from verse 2. It says, as Jesus, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to the, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, 
I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. In other words, for Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, but he decides to take a pit stop at Jericho, which is not his destination. And it reminds me of when I was younger in church, growing up in church. Um, our, especially the first church I grew up, our services used to be quite long. I think they were like four hours long. And after a four-hour service, you know, my sisters and I, obviously being very tired for, from the length of the service, will try to find, you know, one of the chairs that we can fall asleep on. And then my mom, um, after she's finished, you know, speaking to everyone, she would say, okay, kids, it's time to go. And we're like, whew, finally, let's go. So imagine we're now heading out. We're now heading towards the exit of the church. And then all of a sudden, my mom notices Sister Agnes from across the church. And she's like, oh, guys, give me one minute. I just need to quickly greet Sister Agnes. But the thing is, this one minute was never one minute. It would turn into one hour, especially even after a four-hour service. You can imagine what it was like for us. And I can imagine that Jesus' disciples um, were thinking, why are we making a stop in Jericho? We're meant to be going to Jerusalem. Why are we not just passing through? Why are we making a stop there? This is not our destination. We have a mission elsewhere. We have things to do elsewhere. And it must have been very frustrating traveling with Jesus. Because Jesus would go on, he would, he would, he would say, I'm, I'm going to this particular place, but he would stop. You know, it talks about in other accounts where like he would stop for the Samaritan woman, who would stop, oh, to heal this person, who would stop to, to do this and to do that. And you can just imagine in some aspects how it must have been frustrating for those who were traveling with him because it took so long for Jesus to get to the destination. He stops in Jericho, even though he's meant to end up in Jerusalem. And because of this, he meets a man called Zacchaeus. And in a city like ours, in the city of London, often we don't stop. We don't allow flexibility and we don't allow interruptions to our schedule. We're in a rush to get to our destination. We're too busy doing our own thing to get sidetracked by a mere stranger or even an acquaintance. But in the midst of hurry, you know, if we're basically people that are just hurrying in along, that's basically just getting on with our journey, not stopping, not pausing to see what could happen, we will ultimately miss people like Zacchaeus in our everyday life. Perhaps there's people that Jesus wants to use you to restore back to him. Who could we meet if we allowed ourselves to stop and to slow down in our everyday activities. I once had a friend, well, he's still my friend, not once had a friend. <laughs> I have a friend um, from Poland, and he came to visit me one day. And um, I love this guy very much, but one issue about him is that he is just too slow. He's too slow. And it really started frustrating me. And I remember this one time, I was living in Coiden at the time, 
which is the capital of London. Hallelujah. Let's just clarify that. I'm here to educate all of you guys tonight. Amen. Very anointed land. But there's, there's, I was living in Croydon, and um, I, was, I was at East Croydon Station. And I'm not sure if you know East Croydon Station. There's just like slope. Um, especially when your train is there, you have to sprint. You have to do your best 100 meters. I think it's almost 100 meters. That slope is long. But anyway, you have to do your best 100 meters. And I ran down that slope and I got to the doors. I'm like, yes, I got it. Well done, Wale. And I looked back to see where my, I looked back to see where my friend was. And my friend was still at the ticket barrier. And it annoyed me so much because we were late for what we wanted to do. And I had activities planned. I was like, I need to show my friend a good time. And I basically said, I said, bro, this has to stop. You are too slow for this city. You need to be quicker. When people are walking quickly, you too, you need to be walking quickly. Don't go against the grain. This is not the place to do it. And he said to me, he was like, Wale, I'm quite concerned about you. <laughs> And I was like, oh, what do you mean? And he said, he was like, Wale, I've noticed you're always in a hurry. How do you have time to hear what the Lord is saying to you? And you know one of those moments where someone says something, and they just said it as a side comment, but the conviction that came. And I just realized that because of the pace of my life, because of how I was always on to the next thing, I wasn't creating enough margin um, for the Lord to speak to me or even for the Lord to use me. And often, if that's the case, we can miss a miracle that the Lord wants to perform. And I think one of the greatest miracles that the Lord wants to perform is to transform someone's heart and draw that person closer to him. And Jesus stops for Zacchaeus. And there's times, especially after that account, where I've tried to slow down my life, but I still love efficiency. And because, like, I do have a jam-packed schedule, I like to use my time very efficiently. For example, I've started this hack where, well, it's not really a hack, but it's a hack for me, where I've started working on the train. So any TFL underground, you'll see me with my laptop, and I'm trying to, like, do um, all sorts of admin. But I don't know what's been happening over the last few weeks. The last few weeks, the people next to me are not getting a hint. And they've just started speaking to me. And I'm thinking, ah, how, what? <laughs> just like, like, and I'm, and I'm, I'm bait. I have my headphones in, laptops out. And they'll just start speaking. I'm like, wow, this is interesting. And I remember um, one person, um, and it's actually happened quite a few times in the last few weeks. I feel like the Lord is trying to tell me something. But it's happened in the last few times, the last few weeks, where essentially the person next to me um, have noticed me. So there was this day where I was working for, I was prepping for a leader's gathering and stuff. And the person next to me um, said, are you a Christian? And I said, yes, I am. And said, oh, because I saw um, some of your notes. Um, I've been meaning to, can you imagine it this day? <laughs> you have to be careful on public transport. <laughs> anyway, glory be to God, at least it was the Bible. <laughs> um, but he was like, I saw some of your notes, and, he will, and, and, I, and I shared it last week, and he was like, oh, I wanted, um, I want to know more about the Christian faith. Can I ask you some questions? 
And I was like, to be fair, I am a priest. I should probably answer your questions. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, go ahead. And he just started um, sharing with me. And we spent the whole time um, just talking about faith. And I noticed in that moment that he was a Zacchaeus in my life where I could have just gone and pressed ahead, do my own thing. I was literally prepping for an event. But I noticed in that moment, the Lord wanted to use me just to share life with this person and just to give this person a sense of direction when it came to faith. So Jesus stops for Zacchaeus. And scripture says that Zacchaeus was a very wealthy man because he was a tax collector. Not just any tax collector. Scripture says that he was the chief tax collector, whatever that means. But he's the chief tax collector. So he cheated. He, so um, Zacchaeus often would cheat Jewish citizens out of more of their money. And he had the authority to do so. So you can just imagine that someone like Zacchaeus, he was very and heavily disliked. And Zacchaeus being both unpopular and both short at the same time, he sees Jesus coming through a crowd. And as a result, he climbs up a tree to get a better look at Jesus. And Jesus sees him up in a tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I am coming to your house tonight. Not only does Jesus call him by name and acknowledge him in front of everybody, in front of the crowds, Jesus also invites himself over to his house. And that's like, I can just imagine, it's like, you know, one of your favorite musical artists. Let's use someone like Stormzy. And let's say Stormzy is performing in the O2 and he's dancing and he's, I don't know if he will dance like that, but anyway, he is dancing, he's spitting and everything. And you're, you're there, but you are in level four where the oxygen is, in, um, you know, it's not that sufficient. You're in level four and you're just happy you're in the room. You're like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter if Stormzy's like a dog. I'm just happy I am in the room. And let's, I'm going to use Zach, for example. Let's say that Zach is in um, level four. And, um, and then all of a sudden, Stormzy is spitting. Da -da 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 -da. Not that he will spit like that. But anyway, he, he's, he's rapping. And then halfway through, his, halfway through his set, he's like, Zach, bro, thank you for coming to my show. <laughs> and he's like, bro, I'm coming to your house afterwards. I want to have some food. I'm sure Zach would be like, oh my gosh, Stormzy knows my name. And secondly, what on earth am I going to cook Stormzy? I'm sure that will be a dilemma. I don't know, what, what, would, you, what would you feed him? I'm not sure if he will come back. <laughs> um, for those online, Zach said he would feed Stormzy spaghetti bolognese. Yes, interesting. Um, but this is what Jesus does with Zacchaeus. Jesus calls him by name, acknowledges him, and invites himself into his house. So Jesus infiltrates his personal space, his home. He steps into his world. And I think as Christians, sometimes we see it as too inconvenient to step into people's worlds. 
Like, when was the last time you said to someone, I am coming to your house for lunch? It's kind of an awkward thing to say, <laughs> especially if you're not close to that person. But let's say, if someone said to you, I am coming to your house for lunch, what are they trying to communicate? Essentially, they're trying to communicate that I want to see your world. I want to get to know you better. And I think sometimes as, as Christians, we say we want to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ, but we're not willing to out actually infiltrate their worlds. We're not willing to step into their lives. We're not willing to hang with them. We're not willing to get to know them. We're not willing to be in their spaces. We stand at a distance. And I think this is really ironic because we're basically saying we want you to know Jesus but I don't want to get to know you. Or perhaps maybe you won't be that explicit. Perhaps you're, you know, unconsciously saying, I don't really have the time to get to know you. And this is the opposite. This is, this is the opposite nature and heart of God. When God wanted to redeem this world, he didn't just stand back passively and allow everything to just happen. No, he stepped into this world through the person of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus sits with the ones he wants to redeem. And this is what he does with Zacchaeus. You know, Jesus, popular guy, he was among a crowd. And he didn't just settle with preaching at Zacchaeus in, 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 in the midst of a large crowd. He said, I want to come to your house. He wanted an actual relationship with Zacchaeus. And I think in our context, often we're satisfied with just being cool with people or perhaps just saying a few nice comments to our colleagues in the office or in school. Or at the very most, if we hear that someone is going through something, um, perhaps, a neg perhaps undergoing um, a negative um, situation or perhaps they're just, you know, there's just a lot of madness going on in their world. We might say something like this, I am praying for you. But once the clock strikes 5 p.m. on your work day or the class has ended, so does your interaction with that person. Because you're busy, you have your own friends, you, perhaps you even have other Christian friends that you prefer to spend time with. Why would I get to know my colleague, my course mate, my next door neighbor that I don't really like, that I just have to tolerate. Why would I get to know them? It's more appropriate if I don't get too involved in their lives, if I don't get too affiliated with them. And if this is your posture, then it's very unlikely that you will actually reach that person with the good news of Jesus Christ. You do not reach people that you're indifferent and passive towards. You have to be willing to enter their world. And Jesus was the perfect example of that. Jesus steps into Zacchaeus' world. He says, I am coming to you. I want to get to know you. And I'm not saying that you should force yourself on people. Verse 6 actually says, it talks about like when Zacchaeus actually heard that this Jesus guy wants to spend time with him. Verse 6 says that Zacchaeus welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus welcomed him gladly. So don't force yourself on people, but I am communicating. Put yourself out there. Try to get to know people on a deeper level. I once heard someone say, 
always strive to increase the relational dynamic with people. For example, if someone texts you, pick up the phone and call them. If someone calls you, take it further and ask them to go out for a coffee. If someone takes you out for a coffee, take it even further and says, let me host you for dinner. Let's try not to be convenient with our interactions, but let's eagerly pursue relationship with these people. And what could this look like? Well, in our context, it might look like this. Let's say, firstly, it could look like you meeting your colleagues actually outside of working hours, and maybe even outside of after-drink <laughs> socials as well, after-work-drink socials. Or it could look like this as well. It could, it could look like traveling to their ends for lunch. Like, for example, let's say you live in the capital of London, which is Croydon. And your colleague or someone that you want to get to know lives in Acton. And you guys could meet centrally, but you want, to show, you want to show this person that actually, I want to take the time to know you. I want to take the time to honor you. I will come to you. Let's choose a spot in your, in your ends. Let's go, I'll, I'll meet you in Acton. God knows, that's a two hour trip. <laughs> so, so that shows devotion, but it's interesting how convenience even plays a role in our dynamics. But Jesus actually challenges convenience. He eagerly pursues relationship. Another example might look like simply asking someone for their number rather than their Instagram handle. Because let's be honest, if someone asks you for your Instagram handle, they're basically saying, you know what, you are cool enough for me to DM if I ever need anything or if, if, or if I'm ever in your area, but I don't see you as my BFF. If, if someone really, if you're vibing with someone and they really feel like, okay, this person is gonna, is gonna be my new BFF, you know, my boy, my sis, they'll probably immediately ask for your number. So how can we even take it up another level and, and, and even tiny things like that give people more access to our lives. And even us proactively saying, actually, I wanna have more access to your life. I could ask for your Instagram handle and maybe occasionally see your stories, but give me your number. I wanna get to know you on a deeper level. And doing interactions like the examples I just mentioned might seem unnecessary. It might seem way too extra, but this is how Jesus operated. He pursued deep relationship with people. And I can imagine that Jesus was the type of person that if you gave a handshake, he would give you a bear hug. You know those type of people that, you know, you're going in for a handshake or a spurred, and it's like, oh, okay, wow. Your arms are around me. Yeah, oh, you're, you're squeezing me. Wow, this is face-to-face -face contact right now. <laughs> like, I can imagine it was kind of like that with Jesus. He would always take a up again. He pursued relationship radically. And in verse 7, it says, going back to um, our reference text, in verse 7, Luke chapter 19, it says, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. 
And the reality is there are going to be people in your world, perhaps even other Christians, that might not understand why you've decided to start affiliating yourself with this type of person. The other Jews were saying under their breath, like, look at, look at Jesus, hanging out with such a sinner, a tax collector, someone who cheats our own people out of their money. This is what they were saying. And I got this growing, and I got this all the time growing up. I went to a very secular school, and I was one of the only, um, I think I was literally the only Christian in my class. And I would often hang out with the people that my school deemed as the bad kids. And people honestly used to ask me all the time, well, why do you hang out with those people? And I'm like, they're my friends. I love them, and they love me. So much so, I remember my head of year one day, um, I was just outside um, on the field, and my head of year said, Wale, and she, I was like, yeah, and she said, come here, come here, and she came to me, and, I, and, and she brought me um, close to her, and I said, yeah, what's going on? And she said, I, I've been seeing you hang out with, you know, those people over there, those, um, those other um, teenagers, and she said, you know, you're not really like them, why do you hang out with them? I don't think you should hang out with them. And I'm like, miss, they're my friends. And it was interesting that even my head of year, someone that's meant to be unbiased, <laughs> couldn't understand why I was affiliating myself with these people, why I would befriend them. And I think even, I think often we care too much about what it might look like to other people if we started befriending this person even at our big ages. You know, for example, in our offices, sometimes we don't want to be too buddy-buddy with the manager that everyone else hates because we fear losing some sort of work cred. Or sometimes we don't want to associate ourselves with the person that everyone else has counseled. But guess what? Jesus did not care what it looked like. He wasn't worried about his reputation. He wasn't worried about how other people will view him. He cared more about the rejected person than his reputation. And after just spending a short time with Jesus, in verse 8, it talks about how Zacchaeus renounces his sin. He, he it literally says this, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. So, so Zacchaeus's proximity with Jesus changes his heart causing him to change his actions. And for many of us, we, we would know this, but sometimes it takes people spending time with us before even being receptive to the God that we believe in. Because they get to see face to face the fruits of what it means to believe in Jesus. A few years ago, um, when I was based in Leicester, leading in Leicester, 
I remember there was this um, student who started coming to our church. And he, there was a lot of things that this person had faced. And even when he would share some of his experiences to me, I honestly was speechless. I couldn't believe just the gravity of things that he had to overcome and, and the hardship that he went through. And when he first came, he said, Wale, I'm an atheist. I'm just here to check out what's going on in this blue, in this purple lit building. Um, but I, I, I am not a Christian. And I was like, cool, no worries and stuff. You're more than welcome to stay, hang around, see what happens. But he started coming more and more to our services. And, um, and, I, and, and I think for months, he started coming to our services and started... Um, just connecting with different people in our church and befriending different people in our church. And I remember there was one day he came to me um, after a service and he said to me, he said, um, quite actually, quite emotional, he said, I have never seen such joy um, like, like the joy that people carry in this church. And I've never seen a community like this and the peace that they carry as well. And the way they've treated me was so much love. And, um, and he literally said, well, I don't know what to do next. And I just said to him, I said, you know, it seems like you've met the people of Jesus. Now it's time to meet Jesus. And I said those words to him and I said, you know, would you like to know more? And he said, I would like to know more. And I think for that particular individual, it took radical relationships, seeing radical community and fellowship, um, fellowship, the intentionality among all of us, for him to even, um, to even like, even for a bit, be receptive to the God that we believe in. And this is the reality for many people. And I believe the reason why the Lord wanted me to share this, that wanted me to talk about the life of Zacchaeus and how Jesus responded to him is because often as Christians, we can seclude ourselves to small Christian ecosystems and ignore the world and ignore everyone out there. But the Holy Spirit has anointed us to bring the light of Jesus to our world, not to just stay inside and to just, you know, oh great, we're all having Holy Spirit, you know, moments and stuff like that. It's much more than that. We're called to bring the light of God to our worlds. And Jesus gives us a template. He gives us a template. And I feel like the Lord is saying it's time to infiltrate, to get among people that perhaps you would have, you know, stood at a distance from. And it's time to radically love and serve those people. It's time to give those awkward hugs and those cheek-to-cheek -cheek embrace. Use it as an analogy or literal if you want to. But it's, it's time to actually do that deep work with people. So I think we need to let go of inconvenience and let go of our passive interaction, but start to develop radical, intentional relationship with those we see in our world. Just like how Jesus said to Zacchaeus, I am coming to your house. And I just want you to think about 
what would, that, what would the equivalent of that be in our day? For us to, to be like Jesus, to say to someone that perhaps is a stranger or even a mere acquaintance or a colleague that annoys us, what would be the equivalent of us saying, I am coming to your house? Because it's definitely not passive inter- in, in, um, interaction. It is earnestly saying, I want to I wanna commune with you. I want to fellowship with you. I want to relate with you. I want to do life with you. And I feel like the Lord is calling some of us to step into, to infiltrate into those spaces and even um, particular industries as well. So the Lord can reach certain people groups. And I feel like there was, um, as I was prepping this um, earlier, I just had this sense that there were some people that you feel a call to a particular industry. And the Lord has given you a heart for the people in, the, in that industry. But you're just hesitant to even step into that industry because you're fearful of how those people might receive you. And you're kind of anxious and you're scared of being persecuted or you're scared of being rejected. But I feel like the Lord just wanted to affirm you right now that he has called you to step into those spaces. And almost he's commissioning you, will you do it? Would you take that step of faith and would you radically love and serve those people in those spaces? And also for some of us who are in those spaces, I feel like it's a challenge as well. Will we be a light in those spaces? Will we testify of Jesus in those spaces? And I feel like a sign of, of this um, for some of us that God might be calling us to certain spaces, to certain um, people groups, um, and maybe even to certain regions, is that we're going to start feeling this sense of grief. Like we're going to start feeling like this, um, I guess a better word, it's just like this deep level of compassion for those people who are lost in these spaces or lost in these particular regions or industries and stuff. We're just going to feel like a deep compassion for these people, for these. And I feel like it's going to be different for all of us. Um, I remember two years ago, um, I started feeling um, this deep compassion and love for Shoreditch and for the people of Shoreditch. Um, and I don't know what was going on because if I'm being honest, I hated Shoreditch. I'm from Croydon. I hated, I hated Shoreditch. I just thought everyone was so pretentious um, and everyone just thought they were cool, but they weren't. <laughs> I was a hater and stuff. And, um, uh, but all of a sudden, my friends decided that all of our gatherings will be in Shoreditch and it was so annoying traveling from Croydon to Shoreditch. I'm like, what is going on? But anyway, I noticed that, especially over that summer, as we spent more time in Shoreditch, the Lord started breaking my heart. And um, even my non-Christian friends would look at me and they're like, Wale, what on earth is going on with you? And I would literally, I don't know what was going on, I would be walking down Brick Lane and I would just start crying, literally, visibly crying, because the Lord was breaking my heart for Shoreditch and for the people of Shoreditch. So much so that my non-Christian friends were like, Wale, are, are, are you okay? I'm like, 
it's, it's, it's just the air pollution, don't worry. It's, it's, it's not enough, enough. It's, it's okay, just, just leave me alone. I'm having a moment. But the Lord was breaking my heart, and I knew that the Lord was calling me to Shoreditch, and I moved to Shoreditch a year later. And the reason why I share that, um, I, that, I share that story is because in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it talks about this. It says, when he, talking about Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. And therefore, he said to his disciples, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. And the reality is that the Lord wants to send you out as workers into the harvest, as workers into particular industries, workers into certain regions. And a sign of this is that the Lord is going to give you a great compassion for these groups of people. Jesus wants to send you in. And this is the penultimate talk for our series. But I just feel like tonight that we just need to make a fresh commitment that we're not going to be people who are passive or who just give into convenient interactions. But we are going to be people who earnestly and radically pursue people with love and actually develop deep relationships with people. And ultimately, through that, they will get to experience the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Can we stand up? And I would love to pray into that area if we're able to. And if we can just close our eyes. And before I pray into um, some specific things, I just want to give anyone in this room and even online an opportunity um, to be in relationship with Jesus. Maybe you really relate to the story of Zacchaeus where you're like, you know, I, I'm a sinner. I've done way too much wrong. Um, I don't know why the Lord would even want to affiliate himself with me. And what I love so much about Jesus is that even when other people are not willing to affiliate themselves with you, Jesus is. And I just feel like someone needs to hear that today, that even though other people don't want to affiliate with you, other people are like, hmm, that person's really gone off track. Jesus wants to affiliate with you. He wants to be in relationship with you. And if you would like to be in relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to ask you, to repeat this prayer after me, just out loud or even eternally and even online as well. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that your son Jesus died on a cross for me. And I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I ask you to forgive me for my pride from my rebellion. And would you come and cleanse my sins right now? And come and break up the shame, break up the despair. And would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. And next, um, I just want to pray for two more groups of people. And if any of this relates to you, 
um, I want to pray for a group of people um, where, like I said in my talk, you feel like the Lord has, has really put certain industries and maybe even certain people groups on your heart. Um, and you just want prayer for that. You just feel like, I don't know what to do with this compassion or just this sense of call to a particular nation or for a particular location or people group. Um, but we just love to pray for the boldness of God to surround you, to fill you, and that the Lord would just give you a special grace for you to connect with those groups of people. Um, so if you feel like if any of that relates to you, please come to the front. I would love to pray. And if you need healing in any aspect, um, we'll also love to pray. So yeah, so I'm just going to create space now. If you, would, if you feel like the Lord is actually calling you to a certain group of people, to a certain industry, please come to the front and let's pray. Can we have members of the team? Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, can we just have more volunteers to come and pray? if you're on team here. Yeah. Could we have more volunteers to pray? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, please. Yeah, and if there's anyone else, please feel free to come forward. And I'm just going to say a prayer over. God, would you come and pour out your spirit? I thank you for these guys who have made a commitment to love your people, to love your world. And would you give them vision of what to do? Would you give them vision on how to serve and how to love those in their communities, those in their workplaces? Would you give them insight right now in the name of Jesus? And would you give them boldness? Boldness to share you in any context. In Jesus' name, amen.